If you were here last week, you'll notice the painting behind me has changed a little bit. I shared with you last week that in the secrets of prayer is that we should pray with humility. We should remember who we are praying to. You see, our God spoke light into existence. He spoke the earth into existence. He spoke the stars and the moon into existence. He spoke and the galaxies appeared. And so so last week, this painting kind of resembled that light, if you will. But God didn't stop there, did he? He spoke and water came up from the deep. He spoke and that water was filled with all manner of living creatures that were pertinent to being in water. He spoke in the air filled with birds. He spoke, and the Bible says that vegetation filled the earth, trees, grass, fruits, vegetables. He spoke, and animals began roaming on the earth. Do you see what's happening here? With his words, our God has created things that we have yet to discover. There are things in space we have yet to discover. There are things in the ocean we have yet to discover. There are plants on this earth we have yet to discover. And then God spoke one more time. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Then God formed a man from the dust of the ground and he breathed life into him. The secret of prayer that I want to share with you today is this. We have a God who created by speaking. And our God has a plan and a purpose for His creation. He saw fit to preserve His words for thousands of years so that He could speak to us today. And the secret of prayer that we need to understand today is that we need to listen more than we talk. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come here this morning to be still. To listen to your word. To listen for your voice. There's a lot going on in our world today. Good things, bad things. Chaos in some places. Lord, help us hear your voice. No matter what's going on around us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, eventually today, we're going to get into 1 Kings. But I want to start off, I was reading through Luke this week as well. And Luke chapter 8 specifically talks about that Jesus is going from town to town. He's proclaiming the good news. Uh, Some people listened. Some people didn't. Some people talked over him. Some people chose to ignore what he had to say. And then Jesus said this. He said, a farmer scattered seed. Some of it fell along the path. It was trampled on and birds ate it. He said some of it fell on rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed, he said, fell among thorns. Other seed fell on good soil. I want to take a look real quick at Luke 8, verse 6 for a second. And as I read this, I had this thought. And here's what it said. He said, some fell, talking about the seed, some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. And here's my thought. We live hurried lives. We're busy people. There's a lot going on. And sometimes God gets shuffled off into the spare minutes of our life. 
we get too busy. We rush through His Word. We rush through our, our prayer time. And, and even if we're reading God's Word, it's falling on a rocky ground because we're not taking the time we need to really think about it. it. It won't produce the fruit in our lives that it should. And that's when we fall into the habit of, of talking to God more than we listen to Him. That's when we fall into the habit of not coming before Him in a spirit of humility like we talked about last week. You see, if you don't make time for God, you're not going to hear from God. You have to slow down. You have to be quiet. You have to be still so you can hear Him. The reality is, when we get into a hurry, we're not listening to anybody. Especially God. You know, if I fly over our country in a plane, I'll see some really pretty clouds. Maybe even a sunset or stars. But I'm going to miss some of the details. If you take a train, you're going to see a little bit more of the details. It'll be going by pretty quick, but you'll see more details. If you take a car, you're going to see a lot more. You're going to hear a lot of complaining, but you'll see more. It just happens. There's something about a car trip. But if you were to walk across country, the things you will see, the details that you'll pick up, we have great technologies, but the, the problem is the faster you're going in life, the more you miss. Did you know there's actually a one-minute Bible reading plan? True. 90 days, one minute a day. The thought process behind that is that it will become a habit and you'll start to spend more time. But that just kind of baffled me. A one-minute Bible reading plan. I think the only thing that tops that is if an auctioneer were to read it for you. You could take that one-minute Bible plan down to about 30 seconds. In the beginning, God said, <laughs> done, creation. You see, we live hurried lives, and when we do that, God gets shuffled off into the spare minutes. He's shortchanged with our time. We say, Lord, speak to me, but do it quickly. I've got to do something else later. Skimping it on our time with God leads to a life that becomes more and more shallow. We don't go deep because we don't make time for it. We end up in a place where we aren't spending enough time alone with God if we're spending time alone with Him at all. And that's where we forget how big our God is. That's where we forget that we should listen to Him more than we demand that He listen to us. You see, we need quality time with our God so we can listen to Him, so that we can be a better reflection of Him. But this shallow lifestyle that we fall into where we're always in a hurry... It represents that shallow or rocky soil in Jesus' parable. You see, the unique thing about that parable, when he's talking to his audience, most of Israel has a thin layer of topsoil over a bedrock of limestone. The soil's not very deep. Jesus says that when the seed falls on this soil, it begins to grow, but soon it withers and dies for lack of moisture because the roots can't go down deep. I love this, this picture that we have of prayer. Because the more time you spend with God, the deeper your roots are going to go, the stronger your foundation is going to be. Jesus says this shallow, shallow soil represents a superficial mind. A person with this kind of mind may listen to God's word, maybe even get real emotional about it, get really moved, but they never really do anything about it or with it. I can't tell you how many people over the last few years have, have come up after, after a worship service and said, oh, I was really moved by the message, or I really enjoyed the whole worship from start to finish. And yet months later, they aren't showing any difference in the way they live their life. They, 
They may have been moved for the moment, but they didn't, they didn't take God's word and begin to apply it. They didn't let it sink in. So how do you get past this? And in our world of, of, of everything being quick, drive-through services for almost everything, there's a drive-through wedding chapel in Las Vegas. All right, we can drive through and pick up our dry cleaning. We can drive through and pick up our dinner. Everything. We don't have to get out of the car to do anything. Coffee. Name something. You can drive through and get it. How do we get past that? How do you change from being a shallow person who talks to God all the time? Because that's one of the things that we say as Christians. Well, I talk to God all the time. That's good. But sometimes we need to be a, a deeper person who chooses to listen more than we talk. We need to keep our faith even when a recession or an illness or a job loss or a marriage or something troubles with our marriage or our family hits. It's pretty simple. There are a few things we need to do differently. In order to quiet down, I would suggest that you start with a daily quiet time. You need time alone with God to read the Bible. You need time alone with God to pray. You need time alone with God to Write down some of the things you're learning. To go back and reflect on those things. To write down maybe the prayers that he's answering in your life so you can go back and and see those things. I would also suggest that you become involved in a weekly small group or Bible study. Maybe something like our Sunday night church if you're a junior, senior, higher, or our men's Bible study or our women's Bible study, which, by the way, they start tonight at 5. If you're looking for a small group, we've got a couple of those as well. They'll start up the first week of September. We've got one on a Monday night uh, over in South Huntsville. We've got one here at the church on Wednesday nights, and there's another one over at Joe Harris's house on Wednesday nights still. Show up. You see, whether you think you do or not, you need time with other believers outside of this moment right here. This is a good start, but I said a few weeks ago, sometimes we take a whole week's worth of junk and we stuff it into a one-hour bag of worship and we think we're going to be okay, but that's just a start. It's not enough. When you're around other believers, people who are close to you, they can give you a fresh perspective of what's going on in your life. You may not want it, but, but they have the opportunity and the, and the ability to give it to you. And they have the ability to give you encouragement and accountability. We need to go deeper in our relationship with God. That happens through accountability. That happens through those Bible studies and through those small groups. Let me ask you a question. When a friend calls, how do you know it's your friend? How do you know it isn't just a prank caller? Is your refrigerator running? How do you know? And don't say caller ID, because that hasn't been around except for like the last 20 years. So you, you don't have caller ID. The phone rings and you answer it and someone starts talking. How do you know that it's your friend? You recognize their voice. You know the expressions they use. You know the the change in the pitch when they're happy or sad. That's the way it should be with God. You should know Him, His character, His nature, His interests, His pleasures and His displeasure, His joys and His hurts. We should know Him so well that we should recognize Him and recognize His involvement in our life. God is inviting you to know more than just his voice, though. He's inviting you to know him. That is an awesome opportunity. By the way, there's a good chance you won't hear God's voice if you're caught up in all the busyness and the craziness of your life. 
prophet Elijah, he had an awesome encounter with God. And it happened at the lowest moment of his life. The story is in 1 Kings 19. And it begins with a prophet hiding in a cave. Elijah has just defeated the prophets of Baal. That's an amazing thing. Say amen. amen. He has defeated them. Has whooped them soundly, if you will. But listen to this. 1 Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life that of one of them. He just killed all of her prophets of Baal, and she's still saying, May the gods deliver me. May the gods be, you know, deal with me ever so severely. I don't know why he would be afraid of her, but he is. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. At least he was thinking of his servant. Stay here, I'll go face this woman and die on my own. I don't know that he said that. I, I would prefer somebody be with me if someone is coming after me, but he went on his own. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, we read this, and we look at it, and we think, why would you do something like that? He just conquered the prophets of Baal. He just proved through fire and all this cool stuff that God is God, and God is who he says he is, and God is awesome, and the prophets of Baal are not. He just proved Baal doesn't exist. And yet he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. Have you had that pity party before? It's okay. We can be honest with one another. All right. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. At once, All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is, much too, is too much for you. So he got up and drank. Excuse me, he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, in my mind, because my mind is a weird place, I imagine this conversation sounding more like this. Elijah, why are you here? I don't know that God is whispering at this point because, you see, whispering doesn't work very well when you're speaking to someone who's standing on the other side of the room. And, and Elijah came to this place where he had done something really awesome for the Lord, but he was overwhelmed by the world, and so he's wore out. was the first thing that God does for Elijah because he's wore out. He feeds him. Eat. Drink. He does it a second time. Eat. Drink. Because where you're headed, you can't get there on your own. Strengthened by what God gave him, he travels 40 days and 40 nights, and now he's in a cave, and God is getting his undivided attention. You see, whispering doesn't work when you're, standing, when you're speaking to somebody who's standing on the other side of the room. God doesn't want a long-distance relationship with us. He wants a close, intimate relationship with us. Verse 10, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites 
have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. What do we know about when the Lord passes by? What usually happens? If you see him, you die. But God's telling Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Folks, Elijah is exhausted physically and mentally and spiritually. He's deeply sad by what's taken place. He thinks he's the last person alive who wants to honor God. He says, just take my life. At least I could be with you, Lord. Nothing else makes sense right now. Elijah tells the Lord what he already knows. He says, Lord, all-powerful. I've always done my best to obey you, but your people have broken their solemn promise to you. They've torn down their altars. They've killed all of your prophets except me, and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah was thrown in the towel. He was ready to call it quits. What did the Lord ask him to do? I thought it was pretty odd. He said, go and stand outside on this mountain. I want to see you. And I want you to see me pass by. But before Elijah could even step out of the cave of that, of the, the mouth of that cave, a thunderous wind hits the mountainside, shattering the rocks. The scripture says the Lord wasn't in that. Then the earthquake that follows, but God wasn't in the earthquake. There was fire that, that rained down from heaven after that. No doubt Elijah was wondering what would come next. <laughs> Lightning bolts or a flood, a volcanic outburst. And all this chaos going on. These massive displays of God's power. And then Elijah heard a gentle whisper from the Lord. And he knew it was the Lord. And Scripture says he got up, he stood at the opening of the cave, and he hid his face in his coat. And the gentle voice asked Elijah the same question, Elijah, why are you here? Elijah gave him the same answer, but in a different way. This is the coolest part. You see, Elijah is finally ready to listen. Before, it was Elijah kind of, you know, oh, woe is me, I've done all this good work and nobody cares and just, just I want to die. But God has his undivided attention and he's standing there with his face covered. And then the Lord gave Elijah specific instructions and he told him, hey, you're not the only one refusing to worship idols. Listen to the rest of this. Verse 15 says, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Mahola to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death 
any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. God's like, I've got your back here. You're not the only one who wants to honor me. Verse 18, I reserve 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah, you're not alone, but you have to go to where my people are. If you're struggling with life, if you're trying to make sense of things, I'm willing to bet that you're trying to live life by yourself. That's what Satan likes for us to do. He likes for us to, to live life by ourselves, to kind of break off. Well, I don't like being around crowds of people. I don't, I don't like people knowing my business. I, well, you can't be accountable with us if we don't know your business. You see, Scripture says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. I know a thing or two about lions. When they hunt, they separate from the pack. They separate you from the rest of the flock, if you will. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to get you off by your side because you're weak and you're vulnerable and you're alone. You're easily confused. And then he attacks and he pulls you into his world. That's not where you belong. Just like Elijah, you need to be where God's people are. And if you're only where God's people are for 40 minutes on a Sunday morning, out of the whole rest of your week, you're missing out. You're tripping yourself up before you ever get started. I'm willing to bet if you're trying to live life by yourself, you're feeling pretty alone. But we were made in God's image. He said, let us make man a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created us to live and be in community with one another like he started out in community. We're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be like that. We were created to listen for God's voice just like Elijah did. We need to keep in mind God whispered. In order to hear someone's whisper, you need to be near them. Whispering doesn't work when you're speaking to someone who's standing on the other side of the room. Actually, this last week, I was hanging out with a couple of young people, and we were, we were kind of goofing off, and I was whispering some stuff to them, and one of them said to me, you're not a very good whisperer. <laughs> it was a nice way of saying I have a big mouth. I told him not to come back. I'm kidding. I didn't. Um, but it's true. I'm not a good whisperer. It takes a lot for me to whisper, a lot of self-control for me to whisper. But God doesn't want a long-distance relationship where he has to yell to get our attention. He wants to be close. He wants to be intimate with us. So how do we hear a whisper? How do you begin to recognize God's voice? And you can write these things down if you want to. But to start off, you need to have a seeking heart. In the Old Testament, David wrote. David had this kind of heart. He wrote in Psalm 63, verse 1, You, God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. If you want to hear God's voice, you need to seek him like David did. Be honest with him. Tell him any frustrations. Tell him any fears. Tell him any doubts that you may have about even about hearing from him. Lord, I'm not hearing from you right now. Just listen. Ask Him to give you ears to hear and eyes to see the ways that He is speaking to you. Ask Him for the ability to recognize the difference between His voice and your own thoughts. Read your Bible. When you study the Bible, you open yourself up to the very heart and personality of God. As you study the Scripture, keep your eyes open for teachings and stories that reveal who God is and what He's like. Ask Him to help you understand and apply what you're reading. Be a good listener 
Hearing God's voice requires one major thing, listening. We're not good listeners. We hear a lot of things, but we're really not good listeners. It may sound easy. Actually, making time to sit still can be a challenge in our super busy world. It's hard to get quiet. For me, it's even harder to stay that way. I was going to sit here for like one minute and not say anything, but I know I couldn't do it. How often has your prayer time been interrupted with a, hold on a second, Lord, the phone's ringing. Or you start out with a good intention, but, but something catches your, your ear. Hearing from God is, is more than just turning off the cell phone and getting away from a doorbell. It, it requires a quiet heart. It requires a stillness. That's, that song that we sang, be still, be quiet. It requires that we become still enough on the inside despite all the craziness that's going on on the outside. And I'll be honest with you, it takes time. It takes effort. And it takes one of those words that Christians don't ever like to say. It takes patience. Learning to hear God, to recognize and understand the ways that God speaks to us. It doesn't happen overnight. It may take several years before you're really comfortable with with understanding what God's saying to you in His Word. No matter how long it takes, I want you to be confident that He has heard your prayers and He will answer them. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But you need to make sure that you obey God. That's another thing we need to do is we're listening for God. Hearing from God doesn't mean a whole lot if we don't obey what He tells us. The questions that I get more often than not are the what ifs. Well, I know that God says we should forgive people, but what if they've abused me? God says we should love our enemies, but what if they punched me right in the face for no reason? God says we should love our enemies. You see, hearing God doesn't mean much if we don't obey what we hear, but a lot of times we want to constantly wonder if what we hear is really from God and I can tell you this sometimes it's that moment where we're trying to decide that keeps us from taking action it seems like the fear of being wrong prevents people from ever having the opportunity to be right God still wants you to love your enemy no matter what they've done to you God still wants you to forgive whoever no matter how much they've hurt you The great thing about learning to hear God and as you, as you struggle through it, as you trip up and, and trying to hear Him better, is that God looks at our heart. When He sees you stepping out in faith, I think even if you're kind of headed in the wrong direction, He's going to lovingly correct you and point you in the right direction. You ask how He may do that? Well, that happens through small groups and accountability and Bible study with other Christians and being around other Christians. How do you know if you're hearing God? If you come into a group of people who you are confident with and who you share things with, and you say, hey, God's telling me to do this, and they go, all go, ooh, I don't know. It could be something that you should reconsider. You just, you will know when God is leading you somewhere. We all have a basic understanding of right and wrong, But sometimes it seems like we want to stretch that understanding of right or wrong and think, well, he didn't, kind of like the snake said to Eve in the garden, surely you won't die for just touching the fruit, for for taking a bite. Surely you won't die.
What we need is to build a deep and growing relationship with God. We need to build a relationship with God that is so close we can't help but hear that gentle whisper when he's giving us some information, when he's, he's guiding us, when he's directing us. The reality is most of us are better at talking than listening. But communicating with the Lord involves both. God intends for us children to hear his voice. He wants to hear from you, but he intends for you to hear his voice. His goal is the same today as it's always been, to be certain that we understand the truth about him. He wants to conform us to his ways. He wants to equip us for communicating his truth to others. One of the main ways that God speaks to us is his word. And for this reason, studying the Bible should be so much more important to us than getting breakfast or lunch or dinner or a snack. The reality is we can live on one physical meal a day. You can live on that. But we cannot survive in our world unless we are feasting on God's word. If you're only eating from God's word one day a week, you are not going to spiritually survive in this world. But the result of a regular diet consisting of God's word is a discerning spirit. Regardless of how loudly God speaks, we won't hear him unless he is a priority. We must ask him to teach us to hear and then work to having a quiet attitude. An internal receiver, if you will, that's tuned to the Father, develops through committed prayer, through meditation, through reading his word, through patience and listening. And not only that, we need a spirit of submission to obey what he commands us. God's goal is for us is a lifestyle of sensitivity so we can hear him in our noisy world or in the calmest of situations. Listening is a critical skill for ensuring that our hearts are open to his guidance in every circumstance. You know, the great thing, in addition to spiritual nourishment that we'll get from feasting on Scripture, is, is what I like to call the dessert of the whole meal. You've got to hold on to your fork because dessert's coming. And when we're feasting on Scripture, the dessert is we will recognize our Father's voice. Nothing is sweeter than knowing that you're doing what God is directing you to do. And so the question is, as we come into our response time, what have you been feasting on? Are you feasting on God's word or are you feasting on what the world would feed you? Are you ready to begin listening to God and stop talking so much? Are you ready to allow his word to take root in the good soil of your heart? Or are you going to continue to be so busy that the best he gets from you is rocky soil and leftovers? As we come to our response time this morning, I want you to respond to God's word by just beginning to make the necessary changes to talk less and listen more. Maybe your response for that is to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe for you, all this sounds really good, but you're not sure how to take some of those first steps that are needed to realign your life so God is first. The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you about this. They'd love to encourage you as you begin making listening to God a priority in your life. Whatever your response is, will you stand and sing our response song and listen for God's voice and respond accordingly? I say this every week, but I really mean it. It's been great to be here with you all today, to worship with you, to share with you. But now it's time to go. As you go this week, think about these things and how you can talk less and listen more to God in your prayer time. Or like Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, let us be silent. 
that we may hear the whispers of God. Will you stand and sing this last song with us?